Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? A show where our host engages in a lively conversation with the guest. The guest chooses the topic and the host has no prior preparation or knowledge of the topic. Please note that the opinions expressed on this program are the opinions and views of the host and the guests and are not necessarily the same opinions and views of Al Seeger or Point of Insanity Game Studio. And now, here's your host, Chad Knight. Welcome to Whose Podcast Is It Anyway? Episode 47. Welcome to my mind map. I usually like to keep this part of my show a little happier. However, a couple weeks ago, I talked about gun control and how we as Americans need to be able to live a life free of the imminent threat to ourselves. That said, last week, Louisiana Representative Steve Scalise was practicing with other Washington pundits on Wednesday, June 14th, when James Hodgkinson of Illinois opened fire on the field. Along with Scalise, there were three others shot by the gunman. Lobbyist for Tyson Foods, Matt Mika, Congressional Staffer, Zach Barth, and Capitol Police Officer, Crystal Greiner. The gun was shot, it is believed, over 50 times using a combination of a rifle and a handgun. The staffer, Zach Barth, even though being wounded, started texting people to let them know they were under attack and needed help. No one died from this attack, though it was touch and go for Congressman Scalise. As of Saturday, he was upgraded from critical to serious condition. Why do I bring this shooting up? Because it is disgusting that people think think it takes murder to get what they want. James Hodgkinson was on a mission. After he was shot and eventually died, they found a list of six more congressional representatives in a list on his or on a list in his pocket. He was ready to start cleaning house. The media has made a big statement about the political agenda of Hodgkinson when they put forth that he was a Democrat and that he worked on the Bernie Sanders presidential campaign. I personally and Bernie Sanders has said publicly that he does not espouse any rhetoric like this with his campaign people. I think politics is a dirty business and that there is a call for change on both sides of the aisle and at all levels. I also believe that is why we get to vote every so often to make the changes we see necessary to have the country run like we would like to see it ran. It has to do with our system of government. Sometimes your guy wins and gets in office. Sometimes the other guy wins and you have to deal with his policies through non-action or through fighting the group in power to challenge what they think is best. Violence is not the answer. It's just not. Remember, people, that politicians are humans just like you and me. They go to work and they do the best job they can, based on their beliefs of what the country, state, county, or town they work for needs. Then they go home and usually have someone waiting for them there. A spouse, children, or maybe just a pet. But people depend on them and it's not up to us to take that away from them. We need to think before we act. And we need to be sure that when we when we act, we do the right thing, and violence is never the right thing. I know, and wanted to touch on the fact that Hodgkinson was most likely suffering from a mental disorder of some type, and we need to make mental disorders less of a stigma in America, so people are more willing to get the help they need, and not shoot someone just trying to do their job and have fun at a baseball practice. End mind there. Alright, this week, I have Nikki Tiemann back with us. Um... Nikki is one of the people I play games with on Sunday nights. 
Now, the last time she was here, we talked about genealogy, and it was quite interesting. I do have to say that the last time we ran out of time before she ran out of material, so maybe we'll finish that discussion, but maybe she has something different this time. Welcome back, Nikki, to the show. Thank you. All right, so I do a new segment now. It's called Five Questions. You ready? Yes. All right, first question. What is your favorite food? Hmm. Um, I would say, well, my favorite food would be anything chocolate. Okay. However, the favorite meal would be pepperoni pizza. Okay, fair enough. Yep. Uh, question number two, favorite band or musician? Bare Naked Ladies. Okay, nice Canadian, nice Canadian band. Yep. I, uh, I don't mind the Bare Naked Ladies myself. The band or the actual thing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right, so uh, question number three. What's your occupation? Pharmacist. Okay. What is your favorite game? Um, board game? I would say Pandemic. Okay, really? Yes. Pandemic. Yeah, well, all... you don't find very many medical-related games. Okay, so fair enough. kind of up my alley. But if I had to choose medical-related games, I think I would probably go for Operation before Pandemic. Oh, seriously? <laughs> I also like Mahjong, the original, Okay. you know, four-player Mahjong, not the matching tiles, but the, you okay. know. Okay. You know, so. All right. And question number five. Your favorite form of entertainment, whether it's podcast, TV, movies, radio? Hmm. I would say probably TV. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. So is there something on TV? with a, is what, what are you watching right now that you're really um, into? Well, right now we're watching um, Better Call Saul, which is the prequel to Breaking Bad. And that's on Netflix? I we we're watching, no, I don't think so. No, we're watching that through Google Play. Okay, through Google, yeah. okay. Yeah. And, and I think Brian had to buy that as a, um, sub, uh, you know, license to that. Right, right, okay. And then uh, we also watch House of Cards, which is on Netflix, and uh, Orange is the New Black, which is on Netflix. And Game of Thrones, which I believe is coming out in July. Okay. Yep. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. All right. So this is where you get to tell us a little more about yourself, if you so wish. This is your time. Tell us a little bit more about Nikki. Um, well, let's see. Uh, like I mentioned, I'm a pharmacist, a pharmacy manager. Um, I don't, can you, do you take names of places or not? Yeah, you can say them. That's fine. Oh, okay. For uh, Walmart in Medford, Wisconsin. And let's see. We have... Uh, two daughters, one of which is uh, overseas currently on a school trip, and the other one just came back from a trip to New York and D.C., uh, and uh, married to Brian, who I've known since high school. And Brian's been on the show. And Brian's been on the show. So. You can only believe half of what he says, though. <laughs> is it that, is the, is the percentage that high? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, um. Uh, Vanessa said that they were going to be seeing a, a Roman bridge, and he said, "Oh, I know which bridge that is." And I'm like, "Seriously, dude? <laughs> it's like, can you just not know something for once?" <laughs> no, no. People like Brian and I, we always know something about everything. Yeah. Even if we don't. Yeah. <laughs> That's the great thing about being a dad, though. You know, dads are like kids come to you because you know stuff. So sometimes when you don't know stuff, you kind of gotta make up stuff. Just so they think you still know stuff. <laughs> of course, if they took the time to go research half the stuff we said, they would realize we don't know stuff. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> so. 
All right, so I'm going to jump into Today in History, and then we'll get back to the topic. All right. So Today in History, I get all my history facts from www.history.com slash this day in history. June 23rd, 2013, Walenda makes Grand Canyon crossing on highway. On this day in 2013, 34-year-old aerialist Nick Wolanda became the first person to walk a high wire across the Little Colorado, Colorado River Gorge near Grand Canyon National Park in Arizona. Wolanda wasn't wearing a safety harness as he made the quarter-mile traverse on a two-inch thick steel cable some 1,500 feet above the gorge. In June of the previous year, Wolanda, a member of the famous Flying Wolandas, family of circus performers became the first person to walk a tightrope over Niagara Falls. Born in Sarasota, Florida in 1979, Melinda is part of the family that traces its history as circus performers back to the Austro-Hungarian Empire in the late 18th century. His great-grandfather, Karl, was born in Germany in 1905. Developed an aerial act with several other performers in Europe in the early 1920s. By the late 1920s, the group which eventually came to be known as the Flying Wallendas, was performing in America with Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. In 1947, Carl Wallenda invented the seven-person chair pyramid, a feat performed on a tightrope. After being performed for many years, the pyramid proved fatal in 1962, when two men died and one of Carl's sons was paralyzed when the trick went wrong. In the aftermath of the tragedy, Carl turned his attention to skywalks between buildings and across stadiums on a high wire. In 1978, he fell to his death at age 73 while walking a cable between two structures in Puerto Rico. Nick Wolenda learned to walk on a wire as a young boy and made his professional debut as an aerialist at age 13. He went on to set a number of Guinness World Records, including the longest tightrope crossing on a bicycle and the highest eight-person tightrope pyramid. In 2011, Wolenda hung from a high-flying helicopter above Branson, Missouri by his teeth. The same year, he and his mother successfully completed the high-wire walk in Puerto Rico that had killed Carl Wolenda. On June 15, 2012, Nick Wolenda became the first person to walk directly over Niagara Falls on a high-wire. He crossed an 1,800-foot-long, 7-ton wire from the U.S. side of the falls to the Canadian side at a height of around 200 feet in about 25 minutes. Because the event was televised around the world, broadcast officials required the famous Funambulist to wear a safety tether in case he fell. Funambulist? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> Never seen that word before in my life. The following June, Walenda made his Grand Canyon Traverse, wearing jeans and a t-shirt and holding a 43-pound balancing pole. He prayed out loud as he walked untethered across the 1,400-foot-long, 8.5-ton cable suspended 1,500 feet above the Little Colorado River. It was the highest walk of his career, and he completed it in less than 23 minutes. Wow. I remember hearing about this. I did not watch it because I have this thing about watching people that might die. I'm not a big fan. Yeah, when they do things like that live. Yeah, yeah it's. I never like watching those things live. I remember when I was a kid, my dad would watch Evil Knievel do some of his live jumps and stuff, and it's mm -hmm. just like I didn't want to have anything to do with that. I mean, it was neat. Yeah. And once he had finished, I would take my hands off my eyes and watch it in replay. Because <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't bring myself to watch somebody risk their life that way. Mm -hmm. But that's just me. 
But now it's about you. Now we get to talk about what it is you have for us this week. This <laughs> my dog is dying. <laughs> um, I don't think he's dying. What are you doing, Grammy? He, he's been kind of choking, coughing all day. I'm not sure what that's about. Um, so I, I was actually going to talk about um, things to do around the state of Wisconsin. Okay, so like, okay. Um, like fun places to go. And um, I was working on an outline uh, earlier today at the cottage, and I didn't get one thing in here, which was the Circus World Museum. But since you talked about... Um, I love the Circus World Museum. So you've been there, right? Oh, yes, I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in Baraboo, Wisconsin. Yeah. And that's um, uh, that's where the Ringling family lived. Um, so five brothers organized the circus. Um, they had a trained goat, Zachary the horse, and a few rabbits and chickens. Um and then they, uh, basically, they bought, they wintered in Baraboo from 1884 to 1918, and they bought the Barnum and Bailey Circus in 1906. So, yeah, so that was kind of a fun place to go. I remember, I, I've gone there twice, once when I was really little, and once with, um, I think when Vanessa was little. Um, and then I remember they were looking for, when I was little, they were looking for volunteers to come out, like, pick two kids to go out in the room. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I was, like, so scared that they would pick me. I didn't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> but you get to ride the elephant. I think they're yeah. elephant rides, and they had the uh, the calliope um, car that played yeah. music and things like that. It, it was actually kind of neat. We took our girls when they were younger, probably uh, maybe seven and nine, eight and ten, something like that. Mm-hmm. We took them down there, and they, they weren't all that interested in the actual museum part of it. Mm-hmm. But once we got out and we got to watch, you know, the people in the in the big top and got to see the they got to ride the elephant and that was just mm-hmm. well Emma did Molly refused to she decided that no elephants were big and scary and she wasn't going to have any part of that but Emma rode the elephant she thought it was the greatest thing in the world um, you know I really enjoy those kind of things I like when you can have a nice museum along with something that's interactive mm-hmm. you know a lot of times you go into these museums. Which are great for you and I, mm-hmm. but you know you put the kids in there and they're just like, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> what are you trying to do to us? Well, sometimes like we'll maybe talk about it in a little bit, but sometimes you take the kids to things like you expect them to be bored, and they actually get really excited about what they're seeing and they want to go back. Well, yeah, it's kind of neat when you thought they were gonna <laughs> be bored in their mind. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's true too. But it's just. It, you know, my girls have never been big into museums. We've taken them to, like, Liaki Woods and Art Museum, and I'm sorry if that's on your list, um, which is a free museum here in town. And they'll look at, like, ten pictures, and they're like, all right, can we go home now? Well, actually, they, um, I, I didn't have that. Well, I kind of had it on my list. Not specifically, but okay. in, in, in another reference. But um, they've had a lot of cool things, like they just did the um, Usher exhibit. Okay. And Escher does the you know the drawings where the stairs are going both up and down at the same yep. time, uh, and then he has does a lot of repetitive things where um, black birds and white birds are flying from opposite sides of the picture, and as they cross, they turn into fish. And it's hard to describe. But, right. Um. So and then they've done like once there was uh, quilts like that had like food themes in them. Um. One time there was design like the chairs. The, okay. The history of chairs and special design chairs, which is kind of weird, but. Well, one of the things that drew me back into going to that museum in particular, and this was years ago, is they had a 
they they had their main exhibit going on, but then I read this little blurb, blurb in the in the paper, and it said that they were having a um, local comic artist. Oh and, yeah. And I didn't know who Tim Seeley was at the time, mm-hmm. so I go down there, you know, and they're like, "Oh, this kid went to DC Everest, blah blah blah," you know, and they're showing all this stuff, and I'm like, and, and then I went and kind of looked up Tim Seeley, and I figured out who he was, and and the comics he does, and I fell in love with his comic Hack Slash, which is just it, it it's about a girl who goes around and murders serial killers. So you know it's not the best of topics per se, but I thought the writing and the and the art and all that all went really well together. Um, so that was kind of neat, and I've gotten to sense meet Tim Seeley, and he's a decent guy. You know, he's a nice guy to sit and talk to and that kind of stuff. So you know, it's 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 really interesting. And since then, we've gone to several things. One of my favorites was they had a like a like a little house on the prairie type thing where everybody was where was all that uh like prairie schoolhouse kind of stuff and prairie life and that kind of stuff and that was really cool unfortunately i took the girls to that and they were just like can we go (laughs) this is so stupid so they were still small enough nikki took them downstairs to the kids area and they played in there and she kind of let me walk around it was just to me that's really cool type of history you know they have a lot of neat exhibits that, that come through the Liaki, you know, the traveling exhibits that are usually there like um, like maybe two months or so. Right. Yeah. And um, they had like Tiffany Glass. Oh, um, I missed that one. Yeah, that was, I think, in late January, February. That would have been kind of neat. So that, yeah, that was, that was neat. And they have, they would have the real Tiffany Glass sitting right next to a fake one. Okay. And then they would have, I mean, they, this was for a couple of them, not for all of them, of right. course, but... They would have a little um, thing saying, "Well, you can see that the the colors in the glass are wrong, and the you know the letting is is wrong, right? And, and we, they wouldn't have used this or that. So that and was kind of and, that and was I didn't neat. Do it last summer, but the summer before they had brought out they had like a weekend thing, and they had like real blacksmiths out there, and they were pounding metal, and mm-hmm. it was it was really cool. If you like that kind of stuff, I don't know if they did it last summer." I'm going to keep an eye out for it this summer because I like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, they have a lot of cool stuff. And then they have their yearly birds and art Right, and exhibit. The, there's the – and that's what I have on my list, actually. Oh, it's um, birds and art. Under local festivals, yeah. <laughs> but um, they uh, they do have the birds and art, and it's uh, nationally renowned. Uh, they do have a section now where there's bird art always on display. Oh, okay. Uh, outside of the, the traveling areas. And I think in the meantime, they loan out their bird art to other museums. Okay, yeah, and I know they do, they've got a nice garden you can walk in now that mm-hmm. has sculptures from mm-hmm. local artists and that kind of stuff. So it's really just um, a really neat kind of local museum. And it's free. And it's free, free. which is yep. always nice. Yep. <clears throat> um, they do special things in conjunction with their exhibits, too. Right. Um, like they'll have, uh, you know, special programming for kids that are t- that's tied into the exhibit or... Or like where they meet the the cartoonist or you know, right. things like that. But, yeah. So all right. So what else? What else you got on your all list? All right. Well, <clears throat> let's talk about House on the Rock. Have you been there? I was just two years ago, actually. Okay. So that's that's a really unique place um, down it, by Spring Green. Wisconsin. Yeah. It's um the thing I the thing I found interesting about it is that this guy was a collector. Um, and I can't think of the guy's name off the top of my head. Alex Jordan. Alex Jordan. Mm-hmm. He was a collector. He was just this guy who liked the space, decided to build his house on top of this rock. Well, there's a little more behind it. Okay. 
So um, Frank, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, uh, the famous architect, has his Taliesin in the same area. Right. And uh, Alex Jordan Sr. Um, tried to work for him, and Frank Lloyd Wright said, I wouldn't hire you to build a chicken coop. So he got <laughs> <laughs> so he got upset and he really bought, he got upset he, he bought the property overlooking Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, Taliesin home. Uh, it's called Deer Shelter Rock, and he built he started building the house um, on the on the rock. That's where the name comes from. Um, the, the thing was, it, it it seemed when I was I I got a little bit of the background information from a book called Oddball Wisconsin okay. that I've had for a while. Um, but it seemed kind of like, <laughs> just a little bit shady. Um, Alex Jordan Jr. Um, took over eventually. And, it, and according to this book, he got into a little bit of trouble. He was um, take, uh, taking pictures, infrared pictures of a stripper. And <laughs> <laughs> the proprietors of the strip club found out about it and threatened him with death. And he was forced to give it the n- negatives back. And then later, him and his... You know he kept at least one. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but later, him and his girlfriend, long-term girlfriend, um, he was taking pictures of her involved with Madison businessmen um, and extorting money from them. Uh, so they got fines and jail time. Well, see, now that's not something they told us at House on the Rock. No, they don't tell you that. That's <laughs> according to those books. So I don't... Yeah, I've never heard that in any tour, but... Um, so basically, uh, <clears throat> it kind of this the book also described him. You know, dr- he would hire drunks and stuff in Madison and have them blast rock at the site, and then he'd drive up in his twenty foot, twenty two foot long car, you know, convertible, you know, kind of, you know, right, you know, showy <laughs> thing, showy, very showy. Yeah. Um, so also the book indicates so the collections. Um, first of all, we have to describe it. So it's this very strange house um with these kind of really cramped dark living quarters you know are, i don't even really call it a house i call it several houses kind of built onto on each other it's really weird yeah, yeah. it's you know and they, he's got that the carousel the carousel yep, is uh 35 tons so it is the, it's the world's largest, largest carousel. carousel you can't ride on it you can't ride on it and you go in there and it's always running it's 80 feet high and has 269 characters but no horses no, but it does have naked mermaids. Yes. <laughs> um, and I had went with my youngest daughter, and she saw that, and she was just scandalized. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but this room, I'm in there trying not to get sick because this thing's going around in circles, and it's kind of weirdly lit with red lights and yeah. stuff, and it's just, yep. and the music is just blaring. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was some really cool stuff there, and then there was other things like you go down near the um, boiler room kind of area, mm-hmm. and it's just like I think that was extra. That was um you had to buy like an extra ticket to get in, if I, if I remember if I think what you're thinking probably of. I think we just bought like whatever the the biggest oh, okay. thing so we got to do all the houses all the and portions we, and we didn't we didn't know what was in what was included or what wasn't but they let us go through anyway. <laughs> But it was, you know, and they have these little machines like the old. You put a quarter in it and you grab a hold of it and it tells you how good of a lover you are. Mm-hmm. And they have one where you sit in the seat and the whole thing just vibrates and. It, it's just really very kind kitschy. of... Very yeah, it's kitschy. very kitschy. And, I mean, he's got some collections that are just beautiful things. Oh, there's... Um, my One of my favorites is all the dollhouses. I mean, there's hundreds of dollhouses. Yes. Um, they have uh, model boats. And when I mean model boats, I mean, like, replicas of the 
Queen Mary or the Titanic, and they're like and four some of those or five feet long. Beautiful, and that and <clears throat> he's got that giant whale mural in the yep, center of it all. That's a two hundred foot fiberglass whale battling a giant squid. Yes, and there's a ramp that you walk up around yep, it. Yep, and that's you, yeah. yeah, we did that. And you and can't get a picture of it because it's too big. <laughs> right, we got pictures of pieces of it. Pieces, yeah, maybe patch them together. Or something. Yeah, that's about the only thing you could do. But I mean. It yeah. was it was really neat. Uh, I would definitely recommend if you haven't been there before to definitely go. It's something to see. I sure. would actually like to do it again because there is so much mm-hmm. that I'd like to go do it again. And I'm sure you're going to see things you didn't see the first time. Right. And that's what I was thinking of when when uh, they were saying like we took our girls when they were really little, and mm-hmm. they were super excited and they wanted they begged to go back again. And that was something we thought, like, this is going to be terrible, dragging them through this. Because it's a long walk. It's it is. really very... I think... Um, I'm trying to remember. It's I, like 30 I, acres. The collection I'm trying to remember acres. how many steps we did that day. Because we uh, went right away in the morning when they first opened. And I had a little pedometer or whatever. And mm-hmm. I think I went in with, like, 200 steps. And I came out with, like, 12,000. Yeah. I mean, it was a lot easily. of... Yeah. It was easily, you know, a five-mile walk through there. Mm-hmm. For the whole thing. And, you know, that might be something good with your daughter being in high school or being a senior this year. It might be something cool to do this summer to take them back and say, you know. Well, we were just there a couple years ago again. Oh, yeah, were so you? We have okay. gone twice with them. Okay. Yeah, once when they were little and once when they were older. Yeah. Uh, and she was actually pretty overstimulated the second time we went. Yeah, Molly kind of had an issue with that, too. By the time we got to the carousel room, it, it was a lot. The carousel room just about <laughs> did me in. Because <laughs> yeah. I can't go on rides even – outside of there i can't go on a carousel i can't watch a carousel because it'll make me motion sick mm, okay. so i can do rides that go you know <laughs> over like spin over but not around oh, interesting <laughs> so it's really kind of weird so i got i hit that room and like you said there's a lot of stuff going on mm. and I, I think it would be very easy to be overstimulated in a, in a situation like that and i'm not a person to get overstimulated but i hit that room and i was just like and Molly's like, oh, I love the carousel. I'm like, here's the camera. You go take pictures of the carousel. I'm going to hide in this corner over here, you know, and kind of cover my eyes because I just I couldn't handle it. You know, she loved that part of it. But they also have uh, rooms that are uh, mechanized. Like they'll have a room playing the like the Blue Danube waltz. Right. Yep. And so all the instruments, the bows are moving back and forth and there's little pads that are fingering. Um, except all that music is piped in. Those instruments are not really playing. Oh, really? Yeah. Also, fun fact from the book. Uh, in the let, na- let me ask you this before yeah. we go any further. Who wrote that book? It's uh, Jerome Polen, P-O-H-L-E-N. Okay. And Just so that if people want to check it out. Yeah. And it's um, 2001, so it's a little dated. Um, but I was – these everything I'm mentioning is places I visited, and I kind of was rereading the book to kind of you know jog my memory right. and you know find out fun facts like this. Um, the, oh, let's see, in the 1970s, the Wisconsin Justice Department made them remove signs, um, because they had wrong documentation. Most of the things they got, uh, in, they have on display were not actually antiques or, so they had to remove oh, signs. Okay. Stating, that explains why there's not a lot of signs in that place. Right. And it said in the book that a lot of things came from the local Kmart. <laughs> so I don't know if that's true or not. But well, if it is true, the, the guy is a hell of a of a you know a marketer. Because mm-hmm. thousands, hundreds of thousands of people a year probably go through that place. Yeah, it's it's large and well known. Um, also, the book indicated too that 
He um he was paid with federal subsidies to not plant corn or wheat on the property, so he probably took that money and, and put, put it, it in the house, into yeah. the collections and things. So wow, yeah. So so anyway, so that yeah, that was probably one of Wisconsin's best known things, but certainly fitting for oddball Wisconsin. Yeah, absolutely. With that that extra stuff you're telling me, it's like that's nothing they told us there. You no. know, and you would think as as a fact that it's a historical place now because mm-hmm. the guy's gone. Mm-hmm. That they would tell you some of this stuff because it just adds to the intrigue of the place. Right. And I think they were kind of looking for a more serious, um, you know, tournament rather than a crazy odd tournament. Um, I did read in here about Taliesin. I did include it in here because it was kind of interesting. I have never gone there. We didn't Uh, either. We drove by it on the way to mm -hmm. House on the Rock. Yeah, House on the Rock just seems more interesting, right? But uh, Taliesin is Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, home where he lived. And... In the book, I found out that um, there were murders there in 1914. Uh, his mistress had fired a butler. Okay. And he was not there at the time. But, um, I mean, Frank Lloyd Wright was not there right. at the time. But the butler came into the dining area at lunch, threw gasoline on one of the guests, um, took an axe to his mistress, and then blocked the only exit that they could go out and killed the other people as they were trying to escape. So that was uh, hmm. something I had never heard before, but I read it in the book. Um, I had heard, I had read somewhere that there were murders there. It did not go to that kind of detail, though. It, and Brian said that there was a novel written about it, too. So oh, okay. I don't know the name of that or who wrote it or anything, but um, you can tour the home. It's been since, you know, refurbished. Right. And um, the tours range anywhere from $22 a person to $100 a person. Um, Do you get to have dinner with Frank himself for a hundred bucks, or no? He passed away. I know, <laughs> but then no, that that was I think wine and hors d'oeuvres included in the in the hundred dollar one. You know, this is Wisconsin. If I want wine, I'll go down to the, the to the gas station, grab a box of wine and some cheese, and we're good. <laughs> there you go. Um, side note: He was buried on the property under a very nice stone, um, but when his I didn't believe third wife died, she did not want to be buried in Wisconsin. So she had his body exhumed and cremated, and he is buried with her at Tellius in West, which was his home in, I believe it was Arizona. So Interesting. Anyway, yeah. That's an interesting way to go about it. <laughs> yeah. oh, he's been dead 20 years and in the ground, but let's pull him up and move him. All right. So uh, have you ever been to the EAA in Oshkosh? I was as a kid. I have never been there as an adult. Um, the one thing that sticks in my head is, you know, my, my parents took us down there. And the one thing that sticks in my head is you were able to at the time, and I'm guessing it's probably still there. It may not be. It may be updated since then. Is you could go into a cockpit of a plane, and inside was a screen, and you could fly a plane. And that, to me, that at the time, that was the coolest thing in the world. You know, and I crashed like six times, but you could do it. You know, <laughs> and it was uh, it was really kind of neat because you could crash and you didn't hurt anybody. But uh, that's the one thing that sticks out to me. I mean, there was tons of planes. I mean, and that's probably just, you know, your memory filling things in because I couldn't tell you what kind of planes or anything. Mm-hmm. But that that ride or that game or whatever you want to call it, that sticks out to me. So the EAA is the Experimental Aircraft Association, and they have uh, their fly-in every year. So right. we've never gone to the fly-in. No, I haven't but... either. I've driven by when the fly-in's happening, <laughs> and you just don't want to go there. you might not want to go. It's so busy unless you love crowds. Or right, planes. but they do have a museum that's open year-round, I believe. Yes, and that's where we went uh, like two summers ago. Okay. Um, 
it's it's a very nice place. Now, I'm, I'm not really big into planes, and I can't tell you one plane from the next, but um, they did have some interactive kind of things, like what you're talking about. Right. Uh, one of them was not working when we were there. Okay. Uh, I don't remember which one it was, right. but uh, what was really cool was they also had this newly added huge, huge room uh, that had World War II planes, and there was like a huge map from World War II on the wall. Okay. Um, so that was really neat, and then you could take a, get a train and go to the landing strip, and they gave free flight lessons to the kids. It was like first come, first serve. Okay. So both of our girls got to go up in a two-seater plane individually and fly the plane with an instructor. And it serves as the first step in getting your pilot's license. So you can my, log that as... Right. So my time. question is, how was your heart? Uh, <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, now that would just make me nervous. <laughs> they went up, they flew around a, a tower like once or twice, and then they came back down. Okay. So it wasn't very long. And I'm yeah. sure whoever was flying them was also on the stick at the same time kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, he, he controlled, I don't remember um, how it went. Uh, I think they were controlling the up and down, but I think he could take over. <laughs> kind of yeah. like, you know, when you're taking driver's lessons and the guy in the passenger seat's hitting the brake. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was really cool. I don't remember how much it cost to get into the museum, but the, the flight lesson was free. That was, That's really that kind of cool. That was cool. Um, so that was that would be something I recommend. Also, in the same neck of the woods is the uh, in Kohler, Wisconsin. Have you Kohler toilets? Mm-hmm. Have you ever been to the showroom? I haven't. Okay, so that that's kind of a bizarre thing too. Our friend Rick uh, used to live in the area, and so he gave us some advice: um, don't speed in Kohler. They have a very um, controlled uh, area, I guess, kind of like land covenants even and stuff. Um, the Kohler family, or Mr. Kohler, was really um, specific about everything looking nice and staying nice and all the he once paid for the roofs of the houses to be redone so hitting people everybody's everybody? I think from what I heard yeah wow <laughs> but anyway so the Kohler um, design center there's a whole wall in the back full of toilets on the wall like like historically through the years what toilets uh, no, look like no I think just stuff they make now even different colors okay and, uh, but they have uh, really expensive like Four thousand dollar toilets that have those are the ones they sell to the government. That are probably <laughs> they're computerized. I don't know why you need a computerized toilet. Computerized? Um, <laughs> Does it track your output? I don't know. <laughs> there they go ins and outs, right? Um, they also have like concept bathrooms with you know fancy tiles, and there was one I remember uh, that the water was coming down like this pencil, the width of a pencil, a stream from the ceiling into the tub and the tub was overflowing nicely and it's you know off spilled but it's uh it's free to go in there's a museum in the basement okay that talks about um you know where they have come and where they're going about john crapper <laughs> no i don't think he's mentioned he's actually the guy who invented the toilet <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which um, is funny considering his last name was crapper mm-hmm. so but that's that's free to go to and it's just bizarre i mean it's something you should see that actually sounds like something I would like to see. That's that's probably one of those places Nikki and I'll go after the girls are gone. Well, the girls were even getting excited about it too. I, I can't see my girls doing that, but no. um, you know the one thing I've always wanted to do and never have had the chance to is to try a bidet. Yeah, I've never had the opportunity. <laughs> I've always wanted to. I don't know why, because I'm like freestanding enema. I, you know, I, but it's just one of those things. It's like you know they talk about it with you know like. 
in France and stuff, you know, mm-hmm. the bidet, and in Europe a lot, actually. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, it's just one of those things, it's like, I think I'd like to try that. Yeah. I don't know why I want to try it. I just, you know. I could live without it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what do you got next? So anyway, so that's a, a free thing that's kind of fun to do, bizarre, you know. Right, yeah. Um, so then... Uh, Train rides. Have you ever taken a train ride in Wisconsin? Yeah, we uh we actually went up to Leno Le- Leona mm-hmm. and we took the train. They have a they have an old like village out there that you Camp take. Camp five, yep. Camp five, yep. yep. You take that out to the little village and then of course, you know, it's a tourist trap. Everything costs you six million dollars. But it's fun. Yeah, and that one is um they have a family rate like sixty bucks for two adults and two kids. Oh, that's um, not bad. The train, I, uh, as far as I remember, takes about 10, 15 minutes to get from where you get on. Yeah, to, and if you go on the, the weekends, because I remember doing this as a kid, and then Nikki and I did it once when, I can't remember if the girls were really little and stayed with Grandma and Grandpa, or it was before the kids, and they have, like, bums and stuff, or not bums, hobos outside, you know, they're camped along the Oh, the, really? Oh, the they train. didn't do that one the day we went. Yeah, they don't do it all the time, <laughs> but do we? when Nikki and I went, we were like, Look, there's people in the, oh, oh, it's a little hobo camp. That's really cool, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> they do have, um, like, theme weekends um, where they do, like, a Wild West train robbery reenactment. And I think they, um, when I was in sixth grade, we went on a train over by Green Bay, and there was a, there was a. Well, there's a train museum near Green Bay, yeah, too. Yeah, there is. And I think there was, like, train robbers that got on our train, if I remember correctly. <laughs> When we were kids in the Wisconsin Dells, this was years ago because I'm old now, but um, there was there was a train you could take in this old West Village, and it's not there anymore. I don't um, – but you'd get on the train, and you'd go along, and then Black Bart and his cronies would rob rob the train, mm-hmm. you know, and then all us kids, they had given us all these little cap guns, you know, and we, we got to catch – Black oh, Bart, you know, okay. <laughs> it was really kind of a cool thing. I, I don't think it's there anymore, but we, and, and I had kind of forgotten about it, but we were just, had the family album out a few weeks ago and there's a picture, I think it was called, um, Camp Dells or something like that. And there's a picture of me and my two brothers and my dad all in the public stocks. Oh, okay. So my mother had taken a picture of this Yeah. and my girls are looking at that and they're like, their, their first question isn't, what are you in, or what's going on here? It's, look at Grandpa's shorts. <laughs> they dated? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> those, like, those little running shorts from the 80s he oh, was wearing. Oh, sure. Okay. And then my dad's always been one of these guys. He wears tube socks. Doesn't matter. Winter, summer, whatever. Tube socks pulled all the way up. So, oh, yeah. so he's got the tube socks and the, you know, the little running <laughs> shorts. And my girls are like, what is Grandpa wearing? Oh, I'm like, that's styling. That, that was at the time. Yeah. In 1984, <laughs> that was the thing. Well, if you're really into trains, there's a, um, down by Baraboo Hills in Sauk County. Okay. Is a Mid-Continent Railway, Railway Museum. Ooh. And that one is a seven mile, uh, I think it's seven miles round trip, but it takes about 55 minutes. And you go down one way and then you come back the, on the same exact track. Right. Um, but that Camp one, 5 is the same way. Right. And this is a little longer than Camp 5. And they had other cars too is more of a railroad museum where camp five where you um by leona you go to a logging museum right and at that logging museum they have a hog barn and a slaughterhouse and and you can eat there um but the um uh, the mid-continent railway is more about the rail cars themselves right 
And that one um, is restored steel coaches, both over a century ago, um, adults. And most of the things that I, that I was, you know, remembering or that we had done, adults tend to run about 20 bucks. Okay. Kids less or, you know, so. So it's not not very expensive. You go out and do a couple of these things as right. a family. Um, try in the cabooses more. And you can ride in the locomotive. Um, that was $55. I don't know that they were doing that. Um, when we were there, we certainly wouldn't have paid for all of us trying the locomotive. Right, yeah. But, um, but that one was fun. It was really hot, though, I remember. And, um, um, shoot, I just lost my, uh, my thing here. Um, I remember drinking a lot of water because it was, you know, the cars weren't, air, you know, air-conditioned or anything. Oh, yeah, before, no, train, so. train riding, especially, you know, early on was not necessarily comfortable, but it was fast. Right, yeah. You know, comparatively, you could take a horse across the country, and it would take you weeks. Mm-hmm. Or you could take the train, and it or might take you... Coach or something. Yeah, yeah, or you could take a train, and it would take you, you know, five, six, seven days, depending on where you were coming from and where you were going. And so, I mean, that was the the ultimate travel at one point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, by today's standards, it was uncomfortable, and it was probably smelly and sooty because they were burning coal, and... All these things that today we'd be like, oh, that's disgusting. But at the time, you're like, this is the lap of luxury. Yeah, yep, so. that's true. Um, and then we've gone to the Bristol Renaissance Fair over the last two years. Okay. Um, have you ever gone to a... I've been to a Renaissance Fair. Um, we go every once in a while, like every few years, we go with friends of ours in Janesville. They have a Renaissance, a Renaissance Fair um, every year down in Janesville. Um, we have gone to the one, they used to have one in Chippewa Falls, and we've been to that a couple times. That one's not there anymore. And then they have one in Minneapolis, which I know isn't Wisconsin, mm-hmm. but they have the big one in Minneapolis every mm-hmm. year. And actually that one, because our friends live in that area, um, there's a quarry there now, and they've lost a lot of their parking lot. So, oh, really? Yeah, so she doesn't know how much longer they're it's going gonna to last. be going. Um, but the Bristol one was really nice. Um, so that's down towards Milwaukee. Right. right, on, right it's like you can see Illinois from... From the Renaissance Fair, uh, but that one uh, we've been to. Uh, our French student was here last summer with us, and she had super super long hair. Okay. And she paid like uh, forty dollars to get her hair braided really fancy. So oh, okay. Was, that was kind of fun to watch because my girls both have short hair, so they're not doing that. But um, so that one you can get coupons online and coupons. Coupons. Yep. Everybody loves coupons. And you can also get like discount tickets available at certain Walgreens. You just check their website. Okay. And we we stopped at a Walgreens. We bought cheap tickets, cheaper tickets there than if you pay at the door. Okay. Uh, and then they have their jousting and their you know their royal. Um, do they do full contact jousting? Uh no, I think it. Well, I don't remember. Do they knock each other off their horses? No, they don't knock each other off. But I think they go for the shield. Okay. You know. That yeah, it's not full contact. No, it's more of a shield. <laughs> yeah. Um, Which is fine. I mean, full contact jousting is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, did you see the movie A Knight's Tale? Maybe. I don't know. It's It was one, and, and kind of the main focus of the show was jousting. Okay. Well, they were shooting the movie, not the main character, but his stunt double got hit in the shoulder where you're supposed to hit him when you're jousting, and it came off of there and it hit him in the jaw. Ooh, he shattered his jaw and like almost tore the one side off his face. Oh my gosh. So they obviously they used a different stunt double to to finish the movie, but 
<laughs> I mean, it's it's a brutal sport. Oh, that's, yeah, that sounds off. No, so I'd say no then. <laughs> um, but they have their shows, their um, mm-hmm. uh, their comedians, their singers, and um, well, yeah, I mean, a Renaissance time. Festival. If you could take a Renaissance Festival, take that skin off of it, mm-hmm. and put it there, and it's just. It's a, just a festival, and I mean it's all the same things. You have comedians, you have musicians, you have mm-hmm. food, you have alcohol, you have you know everything that people look for now when they go to a festival. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and it just so they add the word "ye" to everything. Yeah, you know? <laughs> pretty much. Ye old brew pub. Yeah, exactly. And they do the pub. And this one is a pub crawl, um, where you uh, pay a certain amount, and then they take you around to all the little you know ale houses within right. the thing. Um, there's also kids scavenger hunts. Uh, that oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, um, and then of course there's little like games, like midway games. This one has some neat um, rides, amusement rides, but they're all manual labor running them, of course. Because, oh, okay. You know, right, because old, it's old timey and stuff. Right. So our kids were a little older for that, but that would have been really cool if they'd been able to. Yeah, I mean that, that kind of stuff is really neat. Um, of course, so, you can buy all the costumes and the you know the fake weapons and the jewelry and you know. There was, there was, when we went to the one in Janesville, uh, the king and queen, they, uh, at certain times of the day, they greet you coming in, and then at the end of the day, if you stay till the very, you know, until they close at five or six or whatever it is, they stand up above the, the gates and they say goodbye to you and all that kind of stuff, and it's really kind of neat, and uh, they had a knighting ceremony in the middle of the day, and it was for little kids. Mm-hmm. But just jokingly, I went and got in line. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so it's it's a bunch of three-and-a-half-foot guys. And then you. And then me at six one, you know. <laughs> and uh, so I get up to the king, and he kind of, he's you know, he's used to these little kids and stuff, and he's knighting them and all this stuff. And he, I get up there, and he kind of stops, and he looks up. Because <laughs> I was taller than the king by, like, four or five inches. <laughs> and he got, and he shrugs, and he knights me. <laughs> And uh, so when we're leaving, he had called me, oh, what the hell was it? Uh, it was Sir Knight Giganticus, I think, or something <laughs> like that. And so as we're leaving, you know, I'm not even thinking about that silly little ceremony in the middle of the day anymore. You know, I mean, we're leaving and he stops and he goes, and, and the king's up there and he's like, everybody stop. And everybody just stops. And he goes, hail to, to Knight Giganticus or whatever. <laughs> And so we're standing there, and the whole place, we get these three huzzas. And I'm like, sweet, and walk out the door. Nice. That's fun. That is, I mean, it was just, you know, little things like that, too. You know, he, I was out of the ordinary, Mm -hmm. and he remembered about it. it, And just, you know, played with it. And And they do, they stay in character really well. Yes, yeah. That's what's fun. Um, When we we watched... um, a thing about weapons and it was a little comedy show but they were they're were putting on a quote serious presentation about weapons of the day and how you could fight with these different sta- you know staffs right. and stuff and basically the richer you were the better weapons you had so they were they were doing this little thing and they had a lot of jabs against the french you know because they're you know english right and our french exchange student went up afterwards and said i'm french <laughs> And they, I think they were totally caught off guard because that was the one time I saw them break character, break character, and not know how to handle the situation. But I they should have been like, "You are friends, we spit on you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that was uh, 
Yeah, I I kind of expected them to roll with it and be jokey, but uh, they were, I think, really taken off guard. Oh, were they like, oh, we're so sorry. Whoops. (laughs) But she was laughing, and it was funny. Um, But uh, so, also, have you ever been to the Peshtigo Fire Museum? You know, I can answer this in two ways. Yes and no. I have been there three times. They were not open any of the times I was there. Oh, <laughs> So I burned the place down. No. <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Too soon, too soon. Too soon, really? <laughs> well, I don't know. It was October 8th, 1871. It was the same weekend. Same day. Same day as the Great Chicago Fire. Correct. So nobody knows about the Peshtigo Fire. Correct. And uh, I always find it interesting because more people died in the Peshtigo Fire. Yes. They, and, they estimate between 1,500 to 2,500 people. And more land was destroyed in the Peshtigo Fire. Yes. Um, so Chicago was up to 300 people died. Right. Um, Peshtigo was 1.2 million acres, or 2,400 square miles. And the Great Chicago Fire was about 3.3 square miles. Right. And then the Peshtigo Fire actually jumped the Green Bay. And so the east shore of the upper part of Wisconsin was mm-hmm. burning. And also the finger of Wisconsin was right. burning too. Yeah, I mean it was, it was, and I just had was just reading a book um, that was talking about the Peshtigo Fire. I mean, and other stuff, but the Peshtigo Fire was one of the one of the uh, portions of it. And they were they have some first uh, first hand accounts written by a priest that mm-hmm. was there during it, and it sounds just. I mean, it sounds like it was horrible. You know, he talks about people trying to get away by going into the water mm-hmm. and being cooked alive. And they also, or they were stampeded by um, livestock. Yep. That was livestock that was and swimming. wild animals yeah. and everybody, I mean, there was no, everybody wanted out. And they tried hiding in brick houses or in fields. And hiding in a brick house is like hiding in an oven. An oven, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, very nasty. Um, they were um, doing, it was a, uh, basically a lumber town. They were doing 5.7 million board feet each year of lumber mm-hmm. and leaving about a quarter of that as uh, slash in the forest. So there were a lot of waste lumber that was left behind. Plus in the town itself, there were just piles upon piles of sawdust. And they used that to for the streets. Too. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it was very volatile. Um, the fire was big enough to create a firestorm, which is creating its own weather right. system, which is kind of freaky to me. Um but, and th- this was an interesting story I also found in my Oddball Wisconsin book. Um, but a looter was caught um, after the fire. He was uh, swiftly sentenced to death by a, by a real quick... Um, Lynch mob? Court, court session, I guess. Sure, um, court session, we'll call it that. But he was released because they couldn't find a rope or a tree tall enough to hang him from after the fire. Okay. Yeah, so that I thought that was a little... Um, interesting that's a little twist of justice but okay no the we um we went there when i was a younger girl um with my family and we're gonna go this summer uh, with our girls okay the it, it was very very sad place and not one you're gonna well it's, it's one of those to, things but... it's one of those things when that kind of death and destruction happens it leaves a mark on the land i mean you may not it be does. able to see it yeah and the only thing i can really um, equate that to is four years ago I took Molly and we went to Gettysburg, uh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been there? Yes. It it was really weird to me because 
when you came, now I can't remember what road we came in, but you came in and you hit the the battlefields first. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you crossed into that, there was just a different feel Mm -hmm. about the whole place. I mean, we weren't even to the sign yet that said we were in Gettysburg. And I just kind of looked over and Molly, who's, you know, she seems to be relatively sensitive to things like that. And she kind of looked over at me and she goes, are we there? And I said, I think so. You know, it just kind of like there was just a pal, just a pal in the air, just a mm-hmm. kind of uh, a it, heaviness that just I don't think will ever go away. Yeah, it's it's kind of a creepy feeling. Yeah. Know? In the the cemetery, I mean, you look the grave, you know, the grave markers. Uh, there are a lot of people buried in a mass grave. Yeah. And there's a little church right next to it. And it's, I mean, basically, you can spend like 20 minutes looking in it, but they mm-hmm. have a lot of the um, Things that they were able to recover, like toys or artifacts that were you know, right. partially burned or whatever. Yeah, the, I mean, one so, of the one of the weird things is we went to the the Jenny. Um, oh, what was her name? It was the one that was the one um, civilian that got killed during the war. Jenny Wade House. Did you guys go there when you were there? No. So what it is? It's right in downtown Gettysburg, and basically at the time it was kind of in between where the the uh, Union and where the um, Confederacy were fighting. I mean, like, right in between. And she stayed there because her mother was ill, and they didn't want to move her. And a stray bullet came through, and the bullet hole's still there. They show you where it is. So she was behind the outside door, and then she had opened a door that went between the kitchen and the bedroom as more protection because, you know, they're fighting outside. Mm Mm-hmm. And she would give, and she was giving bread to both sides. They would come down, and she would bake enough bread, and she'd give bread to whoever came. It didn't matter what side they were on. And she was up one morning, and she was making biscuits, I think they said. And a stray bullet came through, went through the first door, went through the second door, lodged in her lower back, and killed her. Wow. So they, you know, and they do a tour of the house, and you can walk around the house, and they show how. At one point, the family, to get her body to the basement, or to the root cellar, they had to go up, and they actually broke out, because it was a house that had two sides to it, and her family lived on one side, and then, like, a uncle or somebody lived on the other side. Mm-hmm. They went up into the attic, broke out the brick wall in between, went through, went down the uncle's side, and were able to get her body into the... Because they didn't thing. want to go outside of the house? Because right, because of the fighting. Wow. So you go down into this basement and talk about a place that just feels creepy. Oh. It just feels horribly creepy. And, of course, you know, after you're down there, or while you're down there, they're telling you ghost stories about people that seen her ghost and this, that, and the next thing, which I'm sure doesn't help that feeling because they're telling you these ghost stories mm-hmm. as you're sitting down there, you know. Yeah. And they have this this body up front, which is just a mannequin, but they got, like, one hand hanging out, you know, and it's just like, Oh, jeez. I mean, it's really kind of... <laughs> That's kind of cheesy. It is, but at the same time, they're telling you these stories. And I actually bought a movie or a DVD while I was there, and they show some of the paranormal footage that they've caught hmm. of things happening. And and it's really neat uh, as far as, you know, that, that guy in me who likes that kind of stuff. But then part of me is like, shit, I was there. <laughs> but anyway, back to Wisconsin. Okay. <laughs> um, well, speaking of weird things, I guess, if you want to go that way... Um, Elmwood. Have you ever been to Elmwood? Elmwood, Wisconsin. Yeah, it's, Kansas. I have. Um, if I remember correctly, it's like southwest. Okay. In the Cooley area, like by Lacrosse. Okay. 
And, which means you don't get good cell phone reception, by the way, but... Um, that, that is true. They call themselves the UFO capital of the world. Okay. And the first UFO sighting was uh, March 2nd, 1975, where a star-shaped light landed on a lady's car. And then in April of the next year, a football field-sized um, light or something shot a blue light on that blasted a police car. Um, so basically, I think there's some more sightings besides those two, but those were like the first ones. So every year they celebrate uh, with the UFO days. which Of course they do. Which Brian and I went to. And it basically it's just a little festival where they right. do um, parades and kids can dress up like aliens. And, and they sell little green balloons. and <laughs> Yeah, and t-shirts. And right. That's the last full weekend in July. And there's a fun run and band and parade. and um, It was a, it, it kind of dorky, but <laughs> it was Was it worth thing. the drive, though? Um, it was something to do. So, yeah, I guess. I'm guessing since it's a festival type situation, it doesn't really cost you to get into no, it. No, it was free, yeah. Everything costs when you're there. Yeah, and it didn't seem expensive or anything. I mean, it's a very, very small town. You've right. never heard of it, obviously. Yeah, so, um, it's, you know, kind of a quirky thing to go to, I guess, once in a while. But yeah. the coolies of that area of Wisconsin is really beautiful uh, with those rolling um, hills and yeah. curvy roads and things. Um, it's, uh, it's Someone in, out of Chippewa Falls, I believe it was, proposed a two-square-mile landing pad to be built so UFOs could land there, but that has not happened yet, I believe. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um, another oddball place is Elkhorn, Wisconsin. That's near Eau Claire. <laughs> I've been through Elkhorn, but... Is, is it? I thought it was more towards uh, Delavan Northeast. Is it? I, I think so. Um while I'm ex- consulting my map, um, there's a thing called the Bray Road Beast. The Beast of Bray Road, yep. yep. The uh, the um, werewolf. Yes. Um, so the first sightings were um, <clears throat> back in the late 80s, early 90s, and multiple people saw a big four-legged animal. Sometimes it would walk on the, on the two hind legs. Yep. Um, it's chased cars, jumped on cars, um when uh, the cars sometimes have to swerve to get it to come off, and they had, like, long scratches and dents on their cars. Right. And then um, that one uh, I'd read about in The W Files, which is by Jay Rath. Okay. I don't know if this, um, if you've read that one or no. not. Um, they also have The M Files, I believe, which is Minnesota. But W Files is Wisconsin. And Brian and I rode down there to see it, and it's kind of a creepy road. We weren't there at night. <laughs> We, we went during the day, so it's another free thing to do. But right. um, in the W, I believe, I haven't read that book in a long time, but I believe that's where I read about um, Men in Black supposedly coming to the area to interview the people who oh, okay. they've seen it. I also We also have a book called The Bray Road Beast. Um, it may have been in that book, so I'm not sure. Yeah, The Bray Road mm-hmm. Beast is um, it, it's really kind of an interesting thing. It usually ends up in books like with the West Virginia Mothman and things like that, you know, where there's these hybrid type creatures. Uh, but The Bray Road Beast is one of those, I've always wanted to go down there and check it out, never have. Um, and I probably wouldn't do it at night either. Yeah, <laughs> that's just a little... Because wouldn't that wouldn't that be the that would be about my luck, you know? Yeah. I'd go down there at night and it actually appear and like jump on my car and kill me. That yeah. would be my luck. I would be known as the only guy who ever died to the Bray Road Beast, you yeah. know. <laughs> at least you'd be known for something, I guess. There you right? go. Um, 
so so we checked that out. Um, that's free, obviously. Um, also, the Paulding Light in Michigan. Have you? I've sure? never been there, but I've I've read about it. I've seen photographs from it, that kind of stuff, but I've never been there. So that's uh, in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, which um, is attached to Wisconsin, so I included it. Um, so basically, the legend is um, since the 1960s, this light has been seen. And it was supposedly from the death of a railroad brakeman. Um, if you go there, the viewing area is in an old logging area, and the road the road has since been washed out, so you cannot drive up the road. So you have just you know basically you can only go so far, and right there the road is gone. So uh, the locals um, tell stories that the light will come up and go around the cars that are parked there looking for it, or it'll you know kind of go around people sitting there or come close to them we never saw anything like that you see lights off in the distance and part of the story is too that the lights will change color well um, in 2010 the sci-fi channel concluded that the light was unexplained uh, on their show fake or fact or faked paranormal Files. okay they were unable to recreate the light with headlights on highway 45 and also with a plane that flew over with a spotlight uh, the same year, Michigan Tech students were able to see headlights and taillights through a tail through a telescope, and were able to recreate the effect of light by driving a car through a specific stretch of Highway 45, um, which was 40, which was excuse me, five miles north of the spot where you're looking. So, okay. same year, two different groups. One proves it, one disproves it. So, but it not it was not exciting. <laughs> it was <laughs> as Brian said, it's kind of a Fun thing for people in their young 20s maybe to go check out. Right, because you know. it kind of makes you creeped out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, that's free. Um, it's kind of up in the middle of the nowhere, but, um, but you know, just something different. Well, there's, there's one story I have that kind of goes with that. Now, in the Wisconsin Dells, today what's there is a haunted house. So mm -hmm. as you're on the main strip in there, you know, the main, uh, I think it's Highway uh, 14 or whatever, that, that main strip downtown. Is it? 13? I don't remember. Yeah, it's one yeah. of those, but as you're coming in, it's, you know, there's Ripley's, believe it or not, and there's all that stuff there. Mm -hmm. You got the fudge houses and all that, but there's this haunted house, and Nikki and I were down there for something, and we decided we're going to go through the haunted house, you know, and it's it's a typical haunted house, you know, they got things that pop up and scare you and things that make noises and things that, you know, move around and whatever, but we didn't get that far in because... Um, we had, we got there, we paid, we bought our tickets and the guy at the front door is like, he's like, you know, this is the world's scariest haunted house, blah, blah, blah. You can't have your money back. Well, I'm like, whatever, dude, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we go in. So you'd step in and you turn to the right, right away. And from the sun coming in, you could tell that at the end of this right turn, there's a like plexiglass or something. Okay. So, okay. There's going to be something behind that. Yeah. Well, we didn't get that far, and all of a sudden, I felt like a hot wind on my neck, mm -hmm. and I got pushed. And I stop, and I turn around, and Nikki's next to me. She's not behind me. There's nobody behind us, mm -hmm. and I checked out. I'm like, done. <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to deal. I've never been a big fan of haunted houses, you know? Uh -huh. So I'm like, if they're going to start pushing me and hide somewhere... I'm just done. So a couple, three, four years later, 
I'm in a in a bookstore and I find this book called Haunted Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Oh, we have that book. Too. Yeah, I think it's by Chad, um, something or other. Well, she's gonna grab it here, but anyway, I'll continue the story. So we're reading through this, right? And they start talking about this um, this uh, this place that's a haunted house now, and it used to be an old um, auto mechanic shop back in the day, and. Uh, it was um, somebody was murdered there. A guy was murdered there. They beat him to death with a lead with a pipe or something. And they and they're talking about how this this particular entity seems to be mischievous. So it will it will manifest itself. It said usually by um, you'll feel breath on your neck and it likes to push people. <laughs> and we're driving down the road. Nikki's reading as we're driving down the road, and I just kind of pull over to the side, and I'm just like. Oh my God! <laughs> now, you know I am a believer in the paranormal. I do believe ghosts exist. I do believe in that kind of stuff. But to have that happen and then years later find out that maybe this is what happened, I just had to pull over for a second. Oh sure. <laughs> Haunted Wisconsin is written by Beth Scott and Michael Norman. Okay, that's a different cover than mine. Oh. Um. I'm sure there's more than one, but, uh, but yeah, so, I mean, any of these, I, I like all these kind of, I'm just looking through here. They got like the Cooley Road ghost, the, uh, mm-hmm. the girl in white, everybody, every, every state has, white is from Stevens Point, isn't it? Yeah. Every, so. every <laughs> state has a girl in white <laughs> story, you know, um, I'm just looking the, here. The Bray Road book is called The Beast of Bray Road, uh, Tailing Wisconsin's Werewolf by Linda S. Godfrey. Okay. So yeah, see, down. this is not the same haunted Wisconsin as oh, I have. Okay. But anyway. You mentioned also the Mothman of West Virginia. I mean, the book we have on that one is called The Mothman Prophecies, John A. Keel. Okay. That is a very strange book. Um, and then I also have, like I said, The M Files, True Reports of Minnesota's Unexplained Phenomena. Right. Um, and that is, again, by Jay Rath. So. All right. So you got one more you want to talk about? Or? Oh, sure. Uh, let's see. Um. Well, let's see. Anything? Oh, um, this one was kind of interesting. Uh, Holy Hill uh, is a, a thing it's down near Milwaukee. Down, down near Milwaukee, and actually, it was just featured on the U.S. Open um, on the presentation they were doing on Sunday. Okay, at the Aaron Hills or whatever yes. it's called. Um, apparently, a lot of people wondered what the big cathedral was in the background, and that is um, Holy Hill, which is the Basilica of the National Shrine of Mary, Help of Christians at Holy Hill. I love those long names. <laughs> yeah, you know, leave it to the Catholics to name their cathedrals. <laughs> um, so, they, so the U.S. Open uh, was in the sh- a lot of the background shots of it because it's on this huge hill, the highest area in, the highest uh, hill in that area of Wisconsin. Okay. Um, it's on 435 acres, built in 1926. Uh, over 500,000 people from all the world around the world visited each year, and as far back as 1700, the site was considered holy by Native Americans. Okay, and it's really pretty to go look at. Um, the cathedral is is large, there's a lot of beautiful stained glass, and there's these towers that you can go up. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I don't know if they're exactly bell towers, but they're you can go up and see like miles and miles and miles because you're way way up above everything else. right it was also really windy and uh, <laughs> vanessa and night chicken no, brian and natalie went all the way up but okay um but anyway that was that was free also 
So it's just a lot of interesting different things. And that's the thing about the state of Wisconsin is we've barely scratched the surface. Yeah, I had a lot more on my list, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and it's just one of those things. It, you know, take the time to look around. Wisconsin has got stuff everywhere. Can I throw out a couple teasers? Sure. There's a um, uh, mustard museum in Mount Horeb. Yep. Yep. Been there? No. Oh, we have. Um, Harley Davidson Museum in Milwaukee. Um, plenty of breweries and wineries where you can do tours. Yes. Uh, usually with samples at the end. Yes, I have. I have toured um, Point Brewery. Mm-hmm. I have toured um, Leinenkugel's Brewery. And I want to say I toured um, the Miller plant when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but I can't remember anything about that one. I think I went there too as a kid. Um, the Point one is a nice tour. It's a, a small you know facility compared to the other ones, but they do, uh, I think you do learn a lot. Yeah. Uh, we did the Sprecher tour, tour, which is over by Milwaukee. Okay. And um, they had a lot of samples at the end, but like Brian said, the tour seemed more like a lecture because you... He would just stop and like talk and talk and talk and talk, and you couldn't hear what he was saying. So, <laughs> well, yeah, you know, we run into that a lot. Like, we'll do wineries and stuff, mm-hmm. and they'll talk to you about their wine and stuff, and it's like you can't get a word in edgewise. I actually ask them a question. It's like they've got a script in their mind, and they're just going through it. Yep, yep, exactly. Uh, and then, uh, Wizard Quest in Wisconsin Dolls. Uh, uh, the one, girls have been through that. That one is kind of fun. And I think they change it all the time, so it's not the same every time. Yeah, I mean, I think all the so basically there's four elements: earth, wind, fire, and water. And you have to go through and you have to find the wizard of each one. Okay. And to do so, you have to answer questions that they have throughout, and it's a time thing. And I think, if I remember correctly, if you do it a certain amount of time, you get a discount in the gift store or something. Okay. But um, it's it's works better for children and agile people because they're like you have to go into these ball pits and kind of squirm your way out and <laughs> if you're a bigger adult that might be hard sometimes um and then <clears throat> zoos i just wanted to mention um the wild the wildwood wildlife park and zoo in Manaqua. yep used to be um, jim pecks if yep. you're if you're a local and you're not used to the name that uh nikki just said it was called jim pecks for a lot of years yep uh, before on a Father's Day a few years ago, we went to Paul Bunyan's restaurant where they have <laughs> in Manaqua. You should see the look that Chad just gave me. <laughs> I I love Paul Bunyan's, but there are two Paul Bunyan's in the state. There's one in Manaqua, mm-hmm. and there's one in the Dells. Dells, yep. The one in the Dells, I, I, I'll eat there. Mm-hmm. The one in Manaqua is amazing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the difference is because you walk in and it looks, looks the exactly same. exactly the same, yeah. I don't know if it's the staff or the way they run the thing, but I like the one in Manaqua a lot more. And it might be just because when I was a kid, that's where you where went you to went. Paul Bunyan's. Yeah. Um, but that's really neat because they have a lot of the lumberjack um, paraphernalia on the ceiling and the walls. And you're sitting basically at picnic tables and they're yeah. serving you family style. Yep. Um, so that, that one is fun. But after on that Father's Day, after we went there, we went to... Wildwood Museum, and we walked in, and they were selling fritter crackers. And I said, Brian, some fritter crackers? He goes, no thanks, I'm full. I'm like, you <laughs> idiot, those are for the animals. <laughs> so, yeah. They also have the butterfly house that you can go in. Yep. Um, so that's really cool. In fact, uh, when it was Jim Peck's, uh, and they don't do this anymore, but when it was Jim Peck's, I actually got to hold a rattlesnake. Ooh, nice well, it was they. They had defanged it oh, or sure. de at least gotten the poison. I can't remember exactly, but 
I was amazed. Now, granted, that it was nine-year-old me, but I was amazed at how strong this snake was. You know, you hold on to it, and it's like moving your hands as it wiggles, oh. and it's like, wow. <laughs> you know, you got you got a hand behind the head, but you're like, <laughs> but it was kind of cool. And then the other, uh, the one last thing I'll mention is um, actually in Duluth, so in Minnesota. But uh, if you go up to Superior, and there's a, a huge bridge that you take to cross over into mm-hmm. Duluth, and I can't, it's named after a guy, but I can't yeah. remember the name of it. Um, but so right on the other side is Duluth, and there's some a lot of fun stuff to do in that area, both uh, on both sides of the of the border there. But Duluth has a really great aquarium called the Great Lakes Aquarium. Okay. And um, it's about eighteen dollars for adults. They have Huge tanks. The staff does dives in them. They do educational things. Um, but they have like a shark tank and they have otters and uh, it's just really neat. I think they even have like my favorite thing was a a huge table size thing of the Great Lakes and you can move boats through locks and oh, cool. it's just kind of fun to play with. Um, and they also have the Lake Superior Zoo, which is a really nice zoo and that was flooded in 2012. Um, they lost um, a donkey, four goats, uh, six sheep. A turkey vulture and a snowy owl. Uh, someone drove by at two in the morning and found a seal in the road, and that's how they fi- figured out the zoo had flooded, and then they had to call people oh. in to to rescue the animals. And the polar bear had gotten out of its exhibit, and the tiger like was loose. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's a very nice zoo. We've been there uh, to both of those. Well, as long as we're talking about zoos, we should mention the Milwaukee Zoo, mm-hmm. which is an amazing zoo. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, if you're into sports history. Uh, Miller Park. Mm-hmm. You can actually go there um, out in the parking lot. They have the old home base home, for, home plate, yep. um, what was it, County Stadium yep. mm-hmm. is there. Um, and, and they have, it's not really a museum, but they have statues and that kind of stuff around outside. There's a, a statue commemorating the people that lost their lives in the building of Miller Park. Right. Yeah, when, and then there's, a, I believe there's right. a statue of Bob Euchre. Uh, and a few other of uh, you know Milwaukee notables. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hank Aaron, I think, is there. Uh, even though he was never a brewer, he was a Milwaukee Brave. So you know things like that too. But uh, you know, I want to say thank you. Mm-hmm. This was fun again. Yep, you're welcome. All right. So next week I am going to bring I'm bringing in new blood people. I have a guy uh, Max Beatty. He's uh, I've known for a bunch of years. Uh, I met him when he was still in high school, and we would hang at the same game store. Uh, I, I think he's going to bring an interesting topic. I can't really tell you what it's going to be. I don't know, obviously, but Max is one of these guys. I think it's going to be a, a good talk, so I can't I can't wait to talk to him. So, ever wonder to yourself, how do I let this guy know how much I like or hate his podcast? Or think to yourself, man, I'd love to be a guest on his podcast. I have a great idea for a topic. Well, you're in luck. There are two ways for you to reach out to me. First, send me an email at whosepodcastisit at gmail.com and leave me a message. Or if you're more into the social media stuff, you can find me on Facebook either at POI Network or at Whose Podcast Is It Anyway. Either way, I look forward to hearing from you. And then we're going to wrap up like we wrap up every week with Quote of the Day. Question first. Yes. For the who for your um, email account? Yes. Is there an apostrophe in there? Or no, there is not. It's okay. just Whose Podcast Is It? Okay. So, no, good question, though. You're welcome. <laughs> so, quote of the date, I get all my quotes from BrainyQuotes.com. Uh, so, this week is, I do believe that if you haven't learned about sadness, you cannot appreciate happiness. Now, this was said by Nana 
Muxuri, a Greek singer considered to be one of the best-selling music artists in the world. During the lifespan of her music career, she has released over 200 albums and singles in 10 different languages, including Greek, French, English, German, Dutch, Italian, Portuguese, Spanish, Hebrew, Welsh, Mandarin Chinese, and Corsican. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I think she has a, uh, a very good point. If there is no sadness in your life, do you really appreciate the happiness that you have? You know? Mm -hmm. Something for you guys to think about. Uh, so, once again, thank you for coming out. Enjoyed it. Had a blast. Thank you for having me. Um, and I'm sure we'll have you on again I at some point. I have two more ideas, too. Ooh, so you have think... two more ideas. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> and uh, for everybody out there, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.